and and uh, you'll know how big of a problem it is by how many people complain. Well, it has to be a number between uh, the the number of listeners and the number of people complaining, which could be a number from zero to you know zero, which is not a big range. Indeed, I'm, I'm already <laughs> recording, so you know I'll just I'll just start the podcast off like that because who who wants to introduce each other? Sean, how are you doing today? I am I am doing fine. I am doing fine. How how are you doing? Eric? I'm a little uh, little little shocked from the the news. Did you hear the uh, the news? I I did. I saw it as it happened, and I didn't believe it as it happened. That was a little so. bit of a a little bit of a a big old shock for me. For me, I've been listening to that dude's music for you know as long as I remember because my father was a huge rocker. So um, you know, Bowie had been parts of my life for a long, long time, and uh, just hearing that you know. That was just like a big old, big old slap. It was really confusing and uh, wow, you know. Yeah. Not, not even because well, I knew knew the guy. I mean, you know, basic human, basic human decency. But um, like you know, that that extra tinge of like, people die. You know, like you know, I'm gonna die. People I know have died, and you know, we're all gonna die. And it's just like even your heroes die. <laughs> I know it's it's kind of silly, but that extra tinge well, of it just like you know really hits you. Well, and you know the thing is, is there's always something a little bit. Um, I want to say a little bit off about David Bowie. Well, so, yeah. Like so, like you never really expected him to die. I know yeah, that yeah. seems silly. He's the goddamn Goblin King. I mean, you know. Yeah, he just he just always. I, I saw someone tweet this today, and I'm totally going to steal it. But I, I just always assumed one day he would just go back to his home planet. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, um, yeah, that was quite a quite a shocker, and especially because a few days ago there was a hoax going around that that he was dead, and so. Oh really? I missed that. I didn't even know yeah. that. I mean, celebrity death hoaxes are all over the place, so I wasn't surprised to even you know hear yeah, people think about the hoax. That's why nobody was believing it initially, and and like people even going so far as to saying that his official media and and Facebook had uh, been hacked. Must have been hacked. So. Yeah. But then his son. I saw a tweet from his son, and uh, yeah, that pretty much you know, yeah, that pretty much wrapped it up. I was like, well, that's. Uh, I, I just think it's so crazy too that that like he released his latest album like two days ago. Like, yeah, I mean, that's dude was dude was dying of cancer and he was still out there doing doing what he does. You know, yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, that's that's definitely touching. That's uh, that's more it's inspirational. Yeah, you know, sure as fuck is. Yeah. So I've just been sitting here this entire evening, kind of like uh, eating some nikuman, just like reflecting on life. I haven't decided how we're gonna do this. I don't know if I'm gonna uh, bleep. So I don't know if like I'm gonna say like what what, what you, like should I bleep fuck? Should I bleep shit? Should I bleep like what? What would who, you bleep? Who is this for? Who is this? For? That's a very good question. I don't even know who any of this is for. This is for me actually because I just want to talk to more people and record it and uh, share stuff. So well, um, I mean, I would I would just let it fly. You know, let it fly. T- well, you know, maybe be careful about. That's 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 just as dudes or whatever. This is something you got to be careful about. <laughs> you play anything in the new year yet? What have you been touching? Good lord, I've been playing too much. That's just how it goes, right? So yeah, you're still reviewing for uh, Touch Arcade? Can I say that? I, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll be I'll be retweeting this all out to to the people that follow me anyway. So yeah, yeah of course. So um, I guess formal introduction. Huh? I'm I'm Sean Musgrave and. Uh, these days, I guess what I'm known for is, is writing for Touch Arcade, um, which covers iOS games, if you haven't heard of us, which is very possible. Um, we're, we're big in that corner, but that corner is not big with the, the greater audience, I suppose. But The greater gaming side, the, uh, the gaming elite, as they would like to be called. Well, um, you, you just started writing for someone else, too, right? Who are you writing for now? You're writing yeah. for them and, uh... I've I've got basically three plates spinning right now. Plate number one is is Touch Arcade. Uh, plate number two is a new Japanese startup, which, you know, it's it's uh, I'm not. It's kind of an interesting thing, right? Because usually an English media site would be started by, you know, English speakers, and a Japanese site would be started by Japanese speakers. But this one's a. Uh, this one's a, an English site. It's meant for English players, but uh, it's it's owned and and largely operated by uh, by a Japanese company. So uh, huh. that's called uh, Media Craft. Okay, uh, I think I've seen you tweeting that out. Yeah, what's, yeah. What's so. the third one? What's the third plate? 
the third plate is my my personal blog, which I launched a couple months ago. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Okay. It's uh, postgamecontent.tumblr.com. I'm plugging. Sorry. Um, the purpose of that site is is so that I can write about whatever I want to write about and not worry about word limits or anything like that. And so it's uh, it's basically just a giant pile of, of uh, verbal diarrhea, as my elementary school teacher would often accuse me of um about whatever i happen to be playing uh at, at that point in time so there's some stuff about edrian odyssey on there oh hey y'all that's an alarm i'm sorry that should be should turn my phone off okay <laughs> all right that's a good that's a good start well um yeah edrian yeah. odyssey what was the last one that came out five uh the last one that came out was the remake of etrian odyssey 2 okay there was a four though right there was that's there a right five? Yeah, they they basically they went one two three four, then they remade one and two. I, I guess Persona Q counts in there somewhere because it's kind of the remake of one came after four. Yes. Okay. For some reason, I, I got that backwards in my head, but um, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Apparently, five is coming, but they haven't talked about it too much recently. But I mean, you know, Atlas they'll they'll talk about it and it'll be out the next week. So yeah, this is true. Um, um, so what have you been playing like, like personal, like as far as personal time goes? Because I don't, I doubt you have much of it. What, like, what is, what is getting you going right now? What is getting me going right now is, um, honestly, recently it's been, it's been Pokemon Picross. Um, What's that? Is that, is that iOS? Uh, Pokemon Picross is 3DS. 3DS. Okay. 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 Yeah. I've seen yeah. people too. Is it yeah, one of the 2D Picrosses or 3D? It's a 2DP cross, okay. and, uh, you know, I've, I've mostly been playing that just because it's easier for me to sneak in uh, a few rounds of P-Cross as opposed to trying to get settled into, a you know, something longer. It's easier to stay up until 3 a.m. accidentally paying P-Cross. I've never done that before. That that too, yeah. Um, it's it's just, it's good for me because, yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about here, but when I, when I start getting stuck into, like, a, a longer game and uh, it's not work-related, I start getting this anxiety, like, I should be, I shouldn't be playing something this long for myself, I should be, I should be uh, doing something I can get paid for, <laughs> and so, uh... You're talking to a man who uh, speedruns RPGs now as a as a silly little hobby. So I, yeah, I, I I guess I know, but I don't really know. It's a, the self discipline is not really good, I suppose. Uh, it's a fun little thing though. But yeah, um, so the Picross, well, Picross is goddamn Picross is too addicting. Yeah, well, and and this one's actually it's it's uh, getting kind of a bad reception from people because it is it's free to play. Um, it it has you know it has an energy meter which. Uh, Every every dot you draw, you consumes one unit of energy, which uh, restores at uh, what one point per minute. Um, How many? Po- that seems kind of weird. How many points can you have a total? Well, that's up to you. So you can expand the size of your energy meter using uh, this the premium currency, which is Picrites. And yes, this is where we're at now with Nintendo in 2016. But uh, you can uh, you can earn these peak rights by doing challenges on each stage, and you should. But probably you'll have to buy some unless you want to go really slowly. You can use those peak rights to open up more stages and to expand your energy meter or refill it. Don't use it to refill it; that's stupid. Or uh, to expand the number of Pokemon you can take with you into a level. So it's basic, um, even puzzles and dragons style. I mean, basically, oh, right? Yeah, it's it's very there's there's nothing unfamiliar about it if you've played a lot of mobile games. Um, but I think uh, for the 3DS audience, it's it's perhaps uh, stepping over a line they're not comfortable with. So, well, some games do it better than others. I mean, I, I thought um, Record Keeper, which probably is the longest game I ever played of those free to plays, like that never felt like I needed to throw down money. Um, like there was a few times where I was like, I, I would like to throw down money. Maybe I didn't. I don't think I did. Maybe I did. I forget. But um. Like, that didn't feel like... Like, does it feel something like that, where it doesn't feel like you're going to have to throw down money, or...? Um, so, it, I don't think it's as benevolent as Record Keeper, or even Puzzle and Dragons. Um, but you, you could conceivably never throw down money. Um, there's basically a daily training you can do where you can earn, you know... The, I don't want to say a, a lot of, of these peak rights, but you can earn them independently of having to clear any particular goals or objectives you just go in you do your training takes a couple of minutes you get your you know 10 10 to 12 peak rights 
Uh, unlocking a new set of stages is about 150 pkrites and up, so you're looking at about 15 days of training to open up a new section, which would have you know seven or eight levels somewhere around there. Um, you know, so I, conceivably you could you could just pace it out and and you know enjoy that every couple of weeks you're going to get a new batch of levels and if you can do that more power to you i i can't possibly do that with pcross so um the other option you have which could only only happen from nintendo is that there's a ceiling on how much you can spend so if you buy five thousand pcrites from the shop which adds up to about thirty dollars us i believe is what i'm told it's about forty dollars canadian uh, you then have unlimited peak rights. You can unlock everything without um, without any uh, worries. But I think that actually kills the game if you do that. So I mean, it's basically buying a Cross game, right? I mean, most of those games were you know 3DS prices, right? And but I think like I think it kills the game because um, what I'm finding what makes it interesting to play this over other Cross games is the Pokemon themselves and the challenges in each level. Uh, but Which really, you wouldn't have to do if you paid to unlock everything. Right, because the main reward is P-Crites. You want to go back to these levels and do them again so that you can get the, the extra P-Crites from clearing the goals. But if you have unlimited P-Crites, you're not going to have much of an incentive to clear those goals. And without that incentive, why even bother using the Pokemon at all? Why even bother collecting them at all? I, I think the game loses its punch if you if you buy out. So what I, what I advocate um, is is to... I think take it like a mobile game, which is, you know, play as much as you can, and when you hit a roadblock, you know, decide if you want to wait, um, then wait. But, you know, if you don't want to wait, then throw a dollar, throw a couple of dollars. And I've been doing that. I've got about 25 hours played on the game, and I've spent about $14. So I don't feel like it's that, I don't know, vicious. When did they release this? I want to say what? Two or three weeks ago, okay, so probably probably new. longer than that. I don't know. So December-ish. Yeah, yeah. December sounds right. Time seems to melt, but that sounds right. <laughs> well, we're getting old, so that's the joys of it. Um, so, um, anything like have they said anything about like adding new packs or anything? Have they added new packs or anything, or how's that going? By the looks of it, it it seems to just be done in one. They've got a few Pokemon they're holding back with passwords that people have already hacked out and figured and. Right. Uh, but other than that, it, it, there is credits, like there's closing credits. One of my friends actually bought out and played through the whole thing, so I'm not sure if they're going to add more. They could. There's no reason why they couldn't, but um, uh, for now, it seems like it's kind of done in one. Uh, Nintendo would probably do a sequel, I think. Probably. That's, that yeah. sounds more like their uh, their gig. Um, so anything else, or is that pretty much it, the big gold? Um. Well, like... You know, there's stuff that that I do for work that I also happen to enjoy. So, no, you know, I, I don't yeah. believe that for a second. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I've been doing at Touch Arcade because I, I wield my power uh, um, like a tyrant is uh, once per month I'm doing an article covering the history of handheld RPGs, and that lets me write about stuff that's not mobile actually. So uh, last month's uh, article, which which I put up uh, last week which I guess is this month's article. I don't know how words work. Um, sure. Is, uh, was, was covering a Game Boy Advance. So, yeah, I spent the whole month before leading up to that playing um, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance and uh, Mother 3 and uh, replaying Fire Emblem. Did you finish Mother 3? I know that's a little bit of a stickler point with you because you don't like Earthbound. Yeah, you know, um, I haven't quite finished it up yet. Um, but, what chapter did you get to? Uh, I, I, by my best guess, I'm about halfway through chapter chapter five or something. Okay, um, it was like chapter. All right, spoilers for Earthbound. Ding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Mother three rather. Um, I think spo- chapter six. I want to say chapter six is like like a little uh really short chapter. And then chapter seven is huge, and then chapter eight wraps it up. I think okay. that's how, how it is. So, like, you can't really judge it by the chapters themselves. Because, oh, okay. um, like, six is really short. It barely counts, but it is a chapter. Okay. And um, seven is humongous. I didn't uh, want to look any further than than just, like, how many chapters there were, because I didn't want to get too spoiled on yeah, it. Yeah, there yeah. were eight, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not really spoiling it for you because of you know it's just the spread. But I mean, you're just saying yeah. like you know, it just because you're in chapter four. I don't know. I don't know if it'd be like halfway done. Yeah. Maybe? Maybe, but like I don't know. I feel like once you hit chapter seven, like you're hitting the the last yeah last third of the game. I think it's chapter seven and eight, which yeah. almost works out, I guess. But uh, so I guess like what I'll what I'll say about it is that I I, I like it a lot better than than Earthbound. As you said, I I, I kind of guess infamous in our circles for for not really uh, liking Earthbound. I haven't given up on liking it. I keep going back every once in a while and seeing if it clicks because. I can recognize its qualities objectively. It's just never really kind of hit that chord with me. But uh, yeah, Mother Three. Well, I'll put it this way: I'm I'm finished writing my article, but I'm continuing to play Mother Three. So that's always encouraging. So that's uh, that's as high a praise as you can get from a game reviewer. I think is is that they continue to play the game after they've finished their work on it. So for this article, was just that uh, Mother Three Tactics Advance. Mother 3, Tactics Advance, um, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, Fire Emblem, and what's the other one? Oh, gosh. It was it was something else. There were five. Golden Sun. Golden Sun. There it is. Was it really? Okay. I don't know I, why I, that's... I don't know why that's so forgettable. <laughs> oh, that was, was that the first GBA RPG? I want to say it might have been. I... Don't know if it was the first, but it was it was awfully early. I mean, I remember I remember getting mine and Battle th- Network earlier. I I just remember getting like mine, and I picked up Golden Sun and uh, the Castlevania. You can't see shit in, yeah, because of, because of the screen. Which is actually, have you gotten back to that? Like, it's actually a really beautiful game. Yeah, you just you yeah. just couldn't see a gosh darn thing on the uh, original Game Boy Advance. Yeah, um, I, I I have gone back to it actually, and uh, it kind of looks weird when it's when it's. Um, sorry, I want to say that one looks good when you're playing it on a brighter screen, and then when you go to Harmony of Dissonance, which was designed to uh, be played uh, on the Game Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, yeah. looks so oversaturated. It's, right. it's unbelievable. It was really bright, and like all the sprites had like outlines around them, right? Yeah, I think I think it's. Been, I mean, it's here, been so here we go. I, I've checked my own article. the uh, The first RPG released on the Game Boy Advance uh, in anywhere, so not necessarily in English, was was uh, the port of Breath of Fire. Mm. Um, Mega Man Battle Network actually came out. A, I think a little after Golden Sun, but not much after. Okay. Uh, but in English, I think Golden Sun was the first one. It came in November of that year or September. Somewhere around there. Was that 2001, I'm guessing? Yeah. Um, Let's see. Magical Vacation would have also been, I think, earlier than than Golden Sun in Japan, but that that never came out in English, and I'm guessing that's probably a good thing. (laughs) Well, you played the uh, sequel in Japanese and hated that one, right? I played it in English, and uh, yeah. oh, that came out in English. What was that what was that yeah, magical? Magical star sign. Magical star sign. What a name! I I don't know. I, I remember at the time people were just furious that Nintendo localized that and not Mother Three, but I'm, I'm not sure either one of them made market sense. But one of them, I guess, had the chance to make market sense, and it wasn't the Game Boy Advance game that was going to come out in 2007. That was Brownie Brown, right? Brownie Brown, that's which God, was also Mother Three, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, they 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 developed uh, the yeah, I think they developed it, and um, but no, they had the uh, artist uh, that did the uh, Final Fantasy Adventure, the uh, Seiken Densetsu remake, right? Right. Yeah, I mean it's basically the same team. I think Brownie Brown was was <coughs> the ones that worked on on Sword of Mana. Okay, yeah, because it has that uh, really weird like. I don't even know what you call that art style, but you know, like the faces look kind of too scrunched, and uh, yeah, they look like your your mother's like old gnomes that she keeps in the backyard to scare away the rats. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember. I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about sort of men, and they they talked about that art style, and I was like, yeah, there's there's something up with that artist. I don't know. I don't know what they're going for, but. Uh, Magical Star Sign. Actually, I've got I've got really strong memories of that one because when I first moved to Japan and I was living by myself in a tiny uh, tiny Leo Palace apartment, which you know for people who aren't living in Japan, they are they are closets with beds. Um, <laughs> I think bed is a little generous. I think there's a yeah. place to put a mat. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, I, but anyway, I, I had a lot of kind of downtime, and I'm kind of out in the sticks where I'm at. I'm not. I'm not near anybody else. So I had a lot of downtime, and I initially spent a lot of that time just chilling out in the bathtub playing games. And and one of them that I played a lot was in in the first couple of months was Magical Star Sign and. I don't know why I just dedicated myself to finishing it, and it was just dreadful. But right, so what does what does that game even play like? I know nothing about this. Like, tell me, what does it play like? What what does it remind you of the most? <sighs> what does it remind me of the most? A big sigh when you start answering that question is not a good sign. I want to like, say. I want to say it's like a really, really badly done Breath of Fire game. Huh? I don't even know how to respond to that. Yeah, most Breath of Fire games I don't think are well done Breath of Fire games. Yeah, no, this is this is worse because the enemies are all hit sponges. If I'm remembering right, it's been a while. It has a lot of hit sponge enemies, so the combats go on really long, but they're also like not strategically interesting. Um, so there's an awful lot of that, and uh, the only thing that I really remember about it is how screwed up the story was because it really goes to these surprisingly dark places. Magical um, star sign. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Did it have any of those? Was it early DS game or late DS game? It didn't have any of those gimmicks, right? Yeah, it. it I think it had some kind of touch timing in the battles. If I, if I'm again, it's it's a while ago, so I think okay. there was some sort of gimmick about touching with correct timing or or something like that or drawing or I don't know. Well, did you ever play the uh, DS Lunar game? Uh, you know what's funny about that is I I bought it Ooh. and uh, then I I sold it without playing it. Okay, this was the one where you had to yell into the DS to run away from battles. Oh, I remember that being good. Yeah, I always love when they when they did that kind of thing with the mic. You know, for all the all the crap people got about you know mandatory DS features of writing on the screen, and that was sometimes awful. It was even worse when they wanted to use the microphone. I remember playing Zelda on the bus, and there was a part where you had to yell. <laughs> and, okay, blow into the mic, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still, you're, it's, you still look weird. You're blowing, you're grown man blowing into the mic, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then even worse, uh, when I went to Okinawa a few years ago on the plane, I was like, okay, I'm going to chill out, play some Zelda spirit tracks. And uh, the, the musical instrument in that game is, is kind of a pan flute. Oh my good! Right, so you kind of have to you have to blow into the mic at at the right points to hit the beat. Oh well, guess what? When you're on an airplane, there's a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> so. so you're sitting there on a plane trying to blow into a microphone. To like, wait, this is like the equivalent of like the ocarina in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, yeah, it's you need it to to progress, and it it wasn't even that like I felt silly blowing into the microphone. It was that there was so much ambient noise on the plane that that the microphone was picking up a dull roar at all times. But you you so. couldn't even. I'm confused. Like you, you had to blow into. It. Like there's no like you know D pad option or no. Other, it was only blow into it. Only blow into it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, most of the games are myself, and I never played them. But wow, Spirit Tracks, the 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 nadir of of the Zelda series. <laughs> wow, yep. and you just know you just know Spirit Tracks only happened because some jackass in the office was like, "Hey, wait, Zelda no Densetsu, Zelda no Dentetsu, eh?" Hmm? Well, there's a whole. Momotaro right. series based on that so yeah they're ca- cashing in on that um old Hudson series that's is that still going on well Hudson's going is this Hudson uh, yeah yeah um I they they rather loudly released the last game in the series Konami Konami drowned it in a barrel like they did with every other oh, that's right because Konami got Hudson wow yeah. wow what a sad what a sad sad state yeah, yeah. I really wish if if Konami was kind of looking like, oh, maybe we're gonna get out of this business, that they would have, I don't know, not bought Hudson in its entirety. Yeah, that's gross. Hudson was really they were rolling along okay. They they I don't know. It's very sad. Well, this is gonna be a sad podcast. Goodness gracious! I know. What's what's with this downer stuff? Do we have any uppers? Oh, goodness gracious. No, I had a beer, and that's not an upper at all. Well, no, that is a, that's a downer. That's the literally downer. I'm uh-huh. totally 
Actually, I completely forgot what I was going to say. That's, that's a good <laughs> I, I had something. I had something to segue into, and I completely fucking well, forgot about it. Well, how about I throw something at you? You you asked me what I've been playing in the new year, but how about you? You surely have been playing things. Goodness gracious. Have you seen my tweets? I've been... Uh, I, I started up playing uh, the Saga series from one to... I guess the last time I was playing is Unlimited Saga. God help my soul. Um <laughs> Yeah, I already beat Saga 1 and 2, and I'm working on 3. Have you ever played Final Fantasy Legend 3, Saga 3? You know what? That was actually the first Final Fantasy Legend game that I, I owned. I had borrowed my friend's cartridges for 1 and 2, but you know they, you know how it was back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you didn't grab a game right when it came out, you would never see it again. So Never. I never saw, um, I never saw Final Fantasy like 6 slash 3. I never saw it anywhere. I never saw it in the store. See, yeah. So, like, when Final Fantasy Legend 3 came out, I had known that I enjoyed the first two because I had borrowed them off friends, and I was like, well, no, I'm buying this one, so. Um, Did you like it? I liked it, but it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't what I was expecting. Oh, goodness, no. I've never played it before. I played the hell out of 1 and 2 when I was a kid, and I booted up Saga 3 all excited. I knew it was a different team. I knew that, uh... The Saga 1 and 2 team was working on Romancing Saga when uh, Saga 3 was in development, so it was a different team. It's actually the uh, Mystic Quest team. Of That's what I heard. So, uh, so there's some things you can see, like the uh, the battle um, with, with the, your sprites facing the enemy and uh, the, uh, them making their little animations around and all that kind of junk. Saga 3 and uh, Mystic Quest actually have a few similarities in that vein. You can jump around, you usually know, but um, oh man, it's bumming me out. It's so slow. It's like the battles are so much slower than uh, one and two, and it's just. I just like, remember being excited about it because, like, it was. I think it was maybe the first RPG I owned for my Game Boy that was actually like mine and not borrowed off somebody. Right, right. And the other strong thing I remember about it was I think it came out before Chrono Trigger, and I remember when Chrono Trigger came out, thinking, "Oh, this is just a Final Fantasy Legend three ripoff." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know what time I hit. I'm looking at the box right now, but it was 1991 for uh, Saga 3. Probably like 2 or 3 in uh, good old North America. Yeah, well, there you go then. But um, that's... Uh, yeah, I was like, man, they're going back to this time travel well again? <laughs> <laughs> you, as a Spider-Man fan, are not allowed to complain about anything being retread, I don't think. Oh, man. Yeah. Talk about going back and forth to the well. I've yeah I've been I've been rereading, that's that's been my other side project. It's not game related, but I I got Marvel Unlimited and uh, they've got a lot of gaps in the comics they've got. But uh, one of the things that they actually have almost every issue of is Amazing Spider-Man. So I've been going through the whole thing from the beginning and I'm I'm up to 2012 now and oh, it's really testing my resolve to be a Spider-Man fan. Um, As a Spider-Man fan favorite spider-man game do you even have one is there even one you consider good oh uh, yeah i mean there's there's good ones i don't i don't think there's anything great but there's a lot of good ones um just kind of popping through history um maximum carnage that was a beat-em-up on the super nintendo and genesis that was, was that fun. one of the first uh, mature rated games I don't know if it was one of i it might have been it might have been actually but, i think uh, i was not allowed to play that it it had a red cartridge. It did have um, a red cartridge. I think it was I think it was mature. It might have been because well they used panels from the comics and that was that was the height of grim darkery. So um, yeah, and I mean carnage. So you know, well, it's in the name. So that that was that was pretty good. And uh, I remember liking the the Genesis Spider Man game, but I think I only liked it because you could take pictures, and I thought that was neat. Um, go back and play it now and it's kind of it's got that kind of shinobi-esque feeling where you can tell kind of they maybe got either the sub team or the engine and made a spider-man game from it right um it's it's okay uh mm, what else do i want to say um the first playstation spider-man that was fun i don't know how good it would be now but i enjoyed it back then that was kind of really one of the first Spider-Man games where they went all in on the fan service. You could unlock a whole bunch of costumes, like the clones and all of that stuff, so people were digging on that. 
Uh, Spider-Man 2, based on the movie, that was the first one that had the open New York with the web swinging. The web swinging, that was really great. I feel like they've fiddled with it ever since and never come up with anything that felt as good. So is this like a GTA Spider-Man, or how did that play? Spider-Man 2, yeah, it was like a GTA Spider-Man, but the side missions, there were only about five different types, and they would repeat again and again and again. And, like, it was... It was not a great game, but the swinging mechanic felt so good that nothing else really mattered. So I can, maybe it is like GTA then, where the main game isn't really that great, but, you know, the fooling around in the world is fun. Right, right. Do you know Venom slash Spider-Man, Separation Anxiety? Yeah, I know that one. That was that was very disappointing to me as oh, a... Okay, as I a, found that... Uh, that- that was a that had a rating that was kids to adults, but uh, Maxim Carnage did not. I, I do remember some sort of hubbub about that game, though. I don't know what it was. Yeah, well, I mean, the the story was it was Maximum Carnage, which was I think a kind of a heavily criticized story for how violent it was, considering the Spider Man story. But uh, Separation Anxiety, I remember they deliberately pulled back on some of the violence and. Uh, they wanted to make it two players simultaneous, so they did that. But they they had to sacrifice kind of the size of the sprites and stuff. I, I just remember renting it and not liking it very much. So, oh, here we go. It was the first Spider-Man game. Reading from Wikipedia, I need some background music for that. But um, it was the first Spider-Man game to receive a teen rating, while the SNES re-release version of had a rating of kids to adult. The Genesis version was rated MA thirteen. MA thirteen. That would be the equivalent to the T rating now. Okay. Yeah. But when I, when I was a little little kitty and seeing MA on a game, that you ain't gonna touch that one. Yeah. Well, did, you're from the good old Canada. Um, did they do the same thing as uh, North as yeah North America as a uh, USA or were they different? The ratings, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, we had the same ratings. Uh, I think for at least a short time in. Manitoba, they they used the film ratings huh. uh, before the uh, before the video game ratings kind of caught up. But um, no, we we use the same rating systems. It's just in English and French. So right, games like Ryuga Gotoku or Yakuza um, that have a lot of descriptors on the back are a real pain in the arse for the packaging. <laughs> <laughs> French doesn't make anything better. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I like how you skipped right over the NES Spider-Man games because I remember my buddy having the uh, what was it, the uh, Spider-Man Sinister and, Six. Sinister Six. Oh my god, I don't know why I ever spent time in that game. Like, I, <laughs> I borrowed it from my friend and I played it, and I'm sitting there like, this is a terrible game. Like, I'm jumping with the B button, I'm shooting and doing stuff with the A button. This doesn't make any sense, and I kept playing it. Like, I had some other good games there, but I was just like, I bar. <clears throat> I borrowed this from my friend. I better play it. And oh my god, I don't know why I played that thing. Yeah, well, the thing is, is Spider-Man had games even going back to the Atari, but it was a long time before. I like I I remember the most notable thing about Maximum Carnage was just like all of my my Spider-Man loving friends were like, "Wow, this is actually good." And uh it was it was the first actually good game. Um but I even remember playing like text adventures based on Spider-Man and uh, terrible, terrible PC side scrollers and I don't know. But yeah, that that uh, that NES one was quite dreadful. Um, I think it was even worse than the Game Boy one, and the Game Boy one was not great. Um, yeah, I'm checking. I, almost, I think I vomited a little bit when you said the Game Boy one. <clears throat> that was some. That was some. Uh, Memories popping back up there. Mm, excuse me. <laughs> There's some good music in that one, though. Uh, oh, you know, but I guess that was kind of the thing. For for as long as Spider-Man was in the hands of like LGN and Acclaim, most of their um, development was handled in in Europe. And uh, <laughs> here's here's my bias just showing. But at the time, European games basically meant you were going to get something that played like garbage but had great music. Those were the worst three letters in the NES era. LJN. Like, I was. I mean, the X Men cartoon. You know how many how many kids got super stupid into the X Men because of that cartoon in the nineties? I know I did. And that game, I got. I remember getting that NES game from a flea oh, market. Oh, that's one of the worst. I think that's one of the worst NES games. 
and I, I couldn't have paid more than five dollars for it and I wish I didn't oh my god that was that was like one of the biggest heartbreaks of all time that NES game that made no sense it was like a sh- top down scroll it was like a scroll almost like a scroller right yeah like a, like a sh- shoot em up but um you had your one character that could it was there was two types right there was the uh, the ones that had gun type weapons and the ones that had like melee type weapons and oh my god that game it was just baffling because you would use Wolverine and he would die in two hits but I think he could regen kind of like, kind of but you had to avoid getting hit and it was kind of one of those bullet helly type games I don't know. I just remember that that was like one of the first times my heart was truly broken by a video game. Like I was like, "Wow, this is things can be really, really bad." I'm not sure who was responsible for that game, but uh, the Sinister Six game was was Bits Studio, and uh, they uh, they went defunct a while ago, by the looks of it. The yeah. last their last game was a casino and poker game for the PSP. Well, so oh yep yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, their name is uh, their name is is uh, using a past tense. So yes, they they're gone. <laughs> oh man, those those were some of the. Uh, well, there was the other ones like um, what was it the um, oh this makes for good podcasting. Um, the uh, NES game was it Spider Man and the X Men? <laughs> was that was that Arcade's Revenge? Yeah, that was Arcade's Revenge. I was like, one, who the hell is Arcade? Two, Spider-Man and the X-Men. I'll take that, please. And, oh, man. It had such a good cover. It had a good cover, and it had, like, such sadness. Oh, my God, oh, man. What a bunch of sadness that uh, the whole Spider-Man... Like, I mean, that was the whole thing. Like, if it was outside of the comics, like, it, anything related to, like, any Marvel properties was complete trash, right? Not until, like, what, like, uh, Marvel's... Revival with like the Iron Man and all that stuff. Did they really even start getting even semi quality? I would say when when Activision got their hands on the license for Marvel properties, and when Capcom got their hands on on the license, that's when things started turning around. But for the first you know ten fifteen years, these were LJN and Acclaim games, and I mean, well, Batman had a few good ones, right? Like um, the NES Batman game was yeah. Sunsoft, right? Batman was always was in good hands for most of its time. I mean, it, it was in Sunsoft's hands early on. Um, then it went to Konami, which, you know, Konami did a really nice job on, on a few hey, games. They had those beat-em-ups, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, they had a Super Nintendo one based on the animated series that was actually, uh, you know, not, not as straight beat-em-up-y as you would think. It was, it was actually kind of... I want to say it, it had some puzzle elements like it had a level based on the Riddler's Labyrinth and you actually had to solve some puzzles in there like it was it was pretty cool and uh, then uh, where, where did Batman end up after that um, oh then then it fell the movies fell into Acclaim's hands and we got some pretty awful things there uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin which was an attempt at an open world game on the Playstation 1 and that went about as well as you would expect <sighs> I just had flashbacks to Siphon Siphon Filter for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but when you're saying that, um, and then, geez, what? Where did it go next? I think at one point, Chemco had a license to the comic book Batman, and they turned out Dark Tomorrow, which was just awful. Ubisoft, I think, had the license for a while. They did a couple decent, but not great games. Yeah, Chemco made two of the worst Batman games. Now that I think about it, because they made one based on Batman Beyond as well. That was just terrible that was the one where batman broken back and the kid was batman right that's right yeah yeah okay uh he didn't have a broken back he he had retired because he had to pull a gun on a bad guy and batman hates guns so whatever uh, okay yeah I'm, I'm mixing that with the bane story you are yeah but that's okay no one cares um <laughs> <laughs> no one cares about batman his parents are dead yeah exactly and then uh then what uh idos got a hold of the license and uh then uh warner took it back and kept the same development team and and arkham was born as a franchise the fourth one just come out or is the third uh technically i think the fourth one uh but the third one done by rocksteady the main developer uh the third one was done by which was uh, Arkham Origins was done by Warner Montreal, I want to say. Which one had the big uh, backlash? Was that last year? They they've all had backlashes. Uh, okay. The the last two have been pretty bad. That's Not bad games. The backlash has been bad. Um, 
Well, one of them was straight up broken out of the box, I think. Um, yeah, that would have been the newest one. Uh, okay. The Arkham Knight uh, on PC was, was completely broken, so... I don't play new games, apparently. I'm getting to be an old crank already. That's a bad thing. That's all right. That's all right. I mean, I think I feel like the uh, the Batman games kind of have fallen into the same uh, thing that most big franchises do these days, where it's they're on such a uh, rapid schedule now that it's kind of... What do I want to say? Uh, I, I was thinking about this a while ago. I was, I was playing the Mega Man games again because... I do that every once in a while, and I was remembering how back in the day, Mega Man used to get such sharp criticism for rehashing and come out with yearly sequels and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, man, that's just normal now. <laughs> it is. Every yeah, game is Mega Man now. <laughs> well, well, did any other game have six titles on one console back then? Back I then, think, I don't think so. I mean, six on one console is a lot of titles. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. Not unless you count sports games, and even then, that's that's a little sketchy. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I mean, six Mega Man's. I mean, they were mostly they were mostly good. They were they were fine games. The only problem with them was is that they kind of you know had done it right, and I feel like that's the same problem with say like Assassin's Creed or with the Batman Arkham games, where it's like these are still good games. If this is your first Batman game, you're gonna crap your pants at how awesome it is. Right, it's just but, you're getting that yearly cycle. Right, yeah. But that's the business. Capcom really had it going back then. I mean, like, they had the Disney license, and they had stuff like Mega Man, and then they had um, Castlevania, as uh, we all know. (laughs) Oh, man, that meme never dies. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, oh, my God. Well, like, back in those days, Capcom and, and Konami were both, like, you could, it's, it's, I don't know. It's cliche to say it, but you could you could see their name on the box and buy it, knowing you were going to get something of at least decent quality. Well, that that's why you would buy something like like going back to the X Men game. That's why you would buy like the X Men game and think this can't be bad. Like I I played a Mickey Mouse game and it was good. I played a Rescue Rangers game and it was awesome. The X Men fucking kick ass. I can play an X Men game with me freaking great. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. The Turtles I, games they were great. That that was yeah. That was that was. Serendipity, well, right the there. The first one was really. Who designed that? I. Oh man, I remember hearing something about that that game, but I forget now what the connection was. It was either the. Oh jeez, I, I can't remember now. Maybe it was the the team that did those like, um. Uh, 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 the like the mashup Konami games that had like King Kong and Simon Belmont and all that. Oh, the uh, that? Konami World. Konami World. I maybe it was them or maybe it was the Goonies team or something. But maybe those were the same teams. But yeah, that that first Ninja Turtles game is uh, it's interesting, and I, I remember just being super obsessed with it as a kid. I mean, it was weird as hell, but like I was like upset. Yeah, absolutely. I was a big obsessed with the turtles and just like going around the levels trying to figure out what the hell to do like I just remember I, I actually knew things I remember I remember getting calls during dinner my parents were like please get off the phone you, you know you're not getting paid to help these kids figure out but it was always questions <laughs> about the turtles game like like oh my god like figuring out you could just walk over that damn gap I think it was the second <laughs> like the second world it's like you just walk over the gap you don't have to jump like, oh my god that game for, for some reason, that game, when I was younger, just seemed like such a huge thing, you know? Like, such a huge experience that you could do so many things. You could choose whatever turtle you want, switch on the fly. They all had slightly different weapons. Your guys could get kidnapped, and then you'd find them and rescue them in later levels. You could pick up all these items. You could go anywhere on the map. Like, there was swimming stuff, like, defusing bombs. I mean, this was just all, like, just it blew my mind at how much possibility there was in, in that game. And the game at, felt huge. It was to, to me at that time, anyway. I mean, like, first you rescue April, and then you have to rescue Splinter, and then, like, it's just going back and forth, and all this crazy shit's going on. I remember getting to the Technodrome for the first time and just, like... Actually, now that I think about it, it kind of reminds me of Metal Gear. Yeah. Yeah, there is definitely that, that sort of uh, uh, feeling to it in some ways. I wonder if it's connected to Snake's Revenge's team. I mean, but like the top-down parts too, just have a little bit of that, you know, 
little bit of Metal Gear feeling to them too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember being super excited about that game, and and I, you know what, I I liked it a lot at the time. I actually cleared it too. Um, did you really? I never did that. I did. The only thing that bugged me about it was like the enemies made no sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, but you know the thing is, is is um. I was already kind of used to a lot of discontinuity between various branches of the Turtles because, like, I was reading the Archie comics and there were characters there that didn't appear anywhere else. I was watching the TV show. There was characters there that didn't appear anywhere else. The toys, you know, like, I know this now, but, like, when I first got, what, Usagi Yojimbo, I was like, who, who is this? I've never seen him on, on anything. So, and, and then there was also, if you had the original Mirage comics, which I, I had had a few of them, and it was kind of like, wow, there's a lot of different kinds of turtle brands. So I thought, well, maybe this is just another brand I don't know about. All right, spoilers for Ninja Turtles. Did you see the latest thing? I think it was like a year ago, like the latest thing they did in the comic. Uh, no, no, I, I haven't kept up on the comics at all. Did you hear this? I, I saw the panel and I cried. Who, who died? Was it the Human Torch? Bebop and Rocksteady crushed Donatello's skull in. Wow, that's that's wow. They straight up they were it was like some some shit went wrong and like they were like Metalhead was there, he was on their side. And Metalhead's arms had been ripped off and um they just took a sledgehammer and just like crunched his skull in. And like that and like then like the last panel was like was like Splinter holding Donatello's head in his lap and like the others are like, standing around there and just like Sobbing, I was like, "Oh my fucking god!" I don't know if they they cha- what has gone since then. That's the only thing I think. <clears throat> but like, that was like complete and utter heartbreak. Like just seeing that panel, like holy shit! Like they, huh. yeah, I, I no idea how that's turned out since then. But see, now my uh, my my various universes of, of turtles are colliding because Debop and Rocksteady were never in the comics, so I don't associate them with that level of violence. Really, they weren't. They, they weren't for a long time because there was a licensing thing that uh, the people who created the animated series owned Bebop and Rocksteady, uh, or at least had some, some percentage in them, which is also why Bebop and Rocksteady rarely appeared in the games. Huh. Okay. Yeah, unless they were explicitly based on the animated series, you, you didn't usually see Bebop and Rocksteady. And that's why Bebop and Rocksteady didn't show up in a lot of the later animated series as well. Because it went back to that original, all all of the other characters too, like like you know Irma. Everyone wanted to see Irma come back, but no. Irma? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? You remember Irma, April's I... friend with the glasses and the sweater and the cats. Irma, the friend with the oh my god! You know what? As soon as you said the sweater and the cats, things started to flow back to my head, and I'm really really scared right now. And um, I typed out Irma and get Irma Bob back, and uh, that's uh, <laughs> and that's uh, that's an entirely different thing. Of uh, oh my god, oh my, oh my god! All right, and then there's like the the robot cop with the three uh, D glasses. I need to close Google right now because yeah, just um, oh just back away, back oh away. Goodness. Wait, no, no, that was, oh god, oh god, safe search was off, I'm sorry, backing away. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, the, um, the last, uh, turtle-related media that I've, I've consumed was the Michael Bay movie. Oh my god, you watched that? Why did you watch that? I was on an airplane. <laughs> that, that doesn't and excuse anything, sir. I was, sorry, sir. I was desperately trying not to have a panic attack because I hate flying. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, but I, still, but still why would you double your panic attack by watching Michael Bay movie? I was I was hoping to to shut my brain off and that seemed like a way to do it. Um and it it worked actually. I I watched it and and uh this was a miracle. I fell asleep. I can't sleep on planes <laughs> usually. I fell asleep and I was like, "Wow, that really works." So then on the way back from Canada, I I watched it again and I fell asleep again. It was great. So God like bless you, Michael Bay. The next time I'm going to Canada, I'm 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 banking on the second movie being on the plane. Um, which I, I think it's coming out this year, so pretty good chance of that. Oh my goodness! Well, speaking of movies, all right, let's go into uh, the one thing we actually talked about talking about the first time. We we're going to talk about talking about talking about stuff. One more spoiler things. 
How fucking good was Force Awakens? Yes, indeed. How good was it? That was. I here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna lose my 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 hard earned macho card. But uh, when when the credits came up, I just started crying, and it wasn't like I was sad. Um, spoiler alert! Although if you don't know this by now, it means you haven't watched the movie yet, so you can't care too much. Um, it wasn't because uh, that guy died. I'll uh, say it. I wasn't when sad. Han died first. Okay, sure. Like, yeah, it right. wasn't. It, I wasn't sad about that. I cried, and I realized these are tears of relief. All right, well, um, I mean, the first sentence on the scroll—that's where I got me. That, that's when I got really excited. The the Luke Skywalker has vanished. Yeah, like that was like I right, I'm in. That was definitely well, the like, end point for me. I keep a bit of a lid on this, but but I used to be a really really big Star Wars fan um, to the point that I actually had. This is going to sound so bizarre to any younger people listening, but I actually had recorded the audio from the movies VHS tapes onto cassette tapes so that I could listen to the movies on my Walkman when I was at school. So many um, people have done this. I've heard I've heard so many stories about this recently. So. Anyway, like I was, I was big onto them. I was so big onto them. I thought the Super Star Wars games were great. That's how that's how conned I was. Um, <laughs> and uh, when when Episode One came out, like other Star Wars fans of the time, I was super excited. And uh, even though I didn't probably didn't have to do this um, in my local little tiny hometown theater, I waited in front of the theater for fourteen hours to. Uh, to be the first in line and uh yeah i I waited there 14 hours to see episode one i was so excited and uh now did you hate it the first time or did you need like two or three more viewings to realize it was terrible no i i i this was this was unfortunate but uh out of my whole group that went in to watch it i was the only one that came out of that first viewing going that really wasn't very good at all oh (laughs) so like there was a there was a TV a local TV channel and they were in interviewing us before we went in and interviewing us on the way out and I was the first one in so so like I kind of came out of episode one a little bit shell shocked so I was walking a little slower than my buddies but uh, they went out first and the TV people were like so what did you think and it was awesome you know they're waving their lightsabers around or their toy lightsabers right. And uh, they ask me, and they're like, oh, what did you think? And I was like, I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> so, so then I thought, because everyone's saying, no, no, it was really good, right? So then like a few days later, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to go watch it again just by myself. No no anticipation, no hype, no I'm not going to be tired from waiting 14 hours in front of a movie theater in a lawn chair. You know, I'm just going to go watch it, and, and maybe I'll like it. And I went, and I watched it, and, you know considered it and didn't fall asleep that time and and came out of there and i went no that really wasn't very good at all was it it took me so many viewings to realize how bad of a movie it was it really did so like i was defending it man i was like oh man no like they're setting up a new story they're getting new characters it's gonna take time it'll take time it's just it's it's getting there the second one's gonna be great oh god i was i was so hoping for the second one to be better and um I, I went into the theater to watch that and right after the opening scene there was a problem with the projector and the, the film uh, broke or snapped or stopped and the lights came up and someone in the back of the theater yelled well it was better than episode one <laughs> and at that point it was but then they put the movie back on and it, it got so much worse alright let's stop being sad so episode seven well, really so good anyway, I, 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 I'm setting this up only because I realized as the credits were rolling, as it sunk in, that there was no like last-minute move into crap. This was a really great movie, a really great Star Wars movie. And I realized, you know what? I've been waiting 20 damn years for a really good Star Wars movie, and that was awesome, and now I'm going to cry. It and was, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, and it was... You know what was really cool about it, and I think you can you can echo this feeling, is is that... When I last saw a Star Wars movie in the theater, I was in university or finishing university or something like that, and you know, definitely kind of just flying, flying solo in my in my haha solo uh, in my mid twenties or whatever, and and uh, you know, um, yeah, I was, when I uh, was freshman, I think. was it two thousand two that uh, 
the last one was 2005. Five. Right, it was, it was 99, 2002, 2005. Yeah, I was a freshman in college uh, when okay. it came out. That was the last one. So I, I actually think- never saw episode three. And so, like, when I had waited for episode one, I was, like, you know, like, 19 years old or something like that. You know, like, I was, you know. But anyway, watching this one, I'm sitting there in the theater. My son is beside me, and I'm like, oh, my God, how how awesome has life become? I'm here. I'm watching Star Wars with my son. We are watching Star Wars together, and this is, this is I don't know if he likes it or not, but I don't care because this is a moment. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I brought my, I, the second time I went inside. I brought my four-year-old son, and uh, and he was like, like on the, like literally on the edge of his seat. Like he was just like staring at it the whole time. A few times during the talkie parts, he was like, "Daddy, daddy, how long, how long until this is over?" But like um, when the action was going on, he was just glued to it. Especially, and I can't believe how good it was. BB-8 was like easily my favorite part of that movie. Like. I, that was Star I was Wars. so impressed that BB-8 wasn't annoying. He was so Star Wars. Like there was everything about him was Star Wars. Yeah, like, he wasn't annoying at all. Nope. I like that. I like that uh, they realized that C-3PO is kind of annoying and and dealt him out in in small amounts. In annoying uh, amounts, the, but yeah, and they they played him very well. No, they played everyone really well. They did, yeah. Like I'm, I'm not unhappy with with anyone's part in that movie. Uh, when I first watched the movie, like right when I came out of it, I wasn't too big on Kylo Ren um, because I thought ah, he's too weak of a villain to 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 be what we need as as a big bad. But the more I reflected on the movie, the more I was like, actually, I'm kind of you know, I'm interested in seeing what happens with Kylo Ren and that makes him automatically more successful than most Star Wars villains. Well, there is only one way that he would have been a bad Star Wars villain. And that would be is if the prequels did Anakin right. Because he is what Anakin should have been in the prequels. Yeah, kind of, isn't he? He's, you know, whiny, arrogant, you know, try get throws temper tantrums. It's basically what they tried to do with Anakin. Instead they had like creepy peach floating I hate sand guy. Yeah, it's it's interesting too though that we're kind of seeing this pattern of of Skywalker Force users being like emotional, knee jerk, uh, like losing control easily types. Like Luke was the most successful at keeping his cool, but he also lost his shit a few times. So like, it's it's interesting to see that that character trait pass through. Yeah, so. I think they did a really good job about that. All right, last which, thing before we wrap which, this up. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, a little bit more Star Wars talk before we wrap it up. What is your theory on uh, Ray? What's your theory? What do you think? I was what? I was just about to to ask you this, and uh, I'm glad you asked because I don't think I've seen my theory from anyone else yet. So, um, of course, if we go with the obvious choice, uh, her parents are or her father is Luke. But I think the movie's hinting too much at that for it to be. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think that either. The other theory I've seen people float is that she's somehow related to Obi-Wan, and yeah, I could see that. That's a potential, but I doubt it as well. Okay, well, here's my theory then, and it's it's a little wild, but uh, let's let's go with it. All right. She, she is family to Emperor Palpatine. Huh. Okay. That's my theory. My theory is maybe like Palpatine, like like had a bunch of of well, I don't even know if he we would say he had a bunch of kids or something, but he had maybe kids secreted away on various planets for some nefarious purpose, or somebody found one of his kids or clones or something like that and decided to take the the kid away and hide them on you know somewhere where the emperor couldn't find them. But my theory is that if we want to make this a really nice, uh, symmetrical, uh, and very, very uh, twisty story, we would have the light side good uh, family of Palpatine versus the twisted dark side Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah, that's actually really... That's better than mine. Mine was um, basically that she was uh, Anakin 2.0. Basically, born out of nothing, you know born from the forest itself like you know just a complete restart on the thing 
you know, the only just... reason I, I wouldn't go in on that is that it, it would be echoing something from the prequel, and I feel like they're really going out of their way to avoid the prequel talk. I mean, I mean, you don't think what like you know, like she was touched by a force angel or anything like that, but like, yeah, just, just the idea, like, like she just came in exit, like she's nobody, like you know, not related to anybody. She just is strong in the force, kind of like Anakin just was strong in the force. I think her being a nobody is more likely than her being Luke's kid. I'll put it that way, because I just I that one's too obvious that that this idea that she's Luke's kid, I, I don't see it. I really, I really like that Palpatine relative angle, though. That is really, yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And I think it would make for a really good twist at the end of the second movie. And you know they're going to go for a, a twist. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, when 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 Han called out Ben, did you get a shiver down your spine, or is it just me? Uh, yeah, that was. I was wondering what name they were going to go with because you knew they weren't going to use any of the stuff from the extended universe. Right. I so don't. I don't know anything about extended universe, but like, <clears throat> like it was just like one second before, like, like I knew he was going to call out his name, and I'm like, like my Ryan's racing. What's his name going to be? Oh, I bet it's Ben. And when it happened, I was just like, ooh. Yeah. So like in the extended universe, Han and Leia had three kids, and. Uh, Gosh, I, I forget the first two, Jason and Jaina or something like that. And there's actually a, a lot of that character from from uh, Jason is is in uh, Ben, uh, but I don't know how much they're going to adhere. But their third kid's name was Anakin, and that was like I was like, well, they've already used Anakin in the extended universe. They're trying to decanonize that, so his right. name's not going to be Anakin. So what could it be? And yeah, Ben. Ben Fitz. And, that was uh, good. Yeah. That was really good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you for stopping by. I might have you back on the podcast sometime. And um, where can people find yeah, you? Yeah, cool. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, you can find me uh, in so many places. You can find me on Twitter, at uh, Sean Musgrave. No spaces, because I hate spaces. Um, you can uh, check my blog uh, at postgamecontent.tumblr.com. And uh, you can also find me at Touch Arcade uh, almost any given day. I'll have something up on there. And finally, uh, Media Craft, uh, which has got a very, very uh, awkward uh, web address. So just go to my Twitter and you'll you'll find all that other fun stuff. All right, I'll throw all that stuff in the show notes. All right, everyone, thanks for stopping by, and I'll see you next time.